Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. To celebrate the release of my new book of devotions on Ephesians for the next little while here on the podcast, I'm going to be releasing talks through the entire book of Ephesians. These talks have been preached in church services, on camps, and in other contexts, and some of them are as old as 2015, some as recent as 2022. Some have been on the podcast before, and some of them are brand new. If you like the talks, hopefully you'll love the devotions. There are 40 days of readings, and they'll take you through the entire book of Ephesians. You can order the book now by heading to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. All right, that's all for now. I hope you enjoy the talk. So this book, uh, Ephesians, uh, is a book which is really packed full of good stuff. And because we've got a whole bunch of time to work through it, I'm really excited because we get to go from beginning to end. Like I said, over the last you know, few months that I've been here, we've done a lot of topical stuff. Now I'm excited that we just get to pick one bit of the Bible and work through it really, really well. And what you'll notice about the book of Ephesians, if you read it, uh, is that it's a book that is packed full of theology, and it's also packed uh, full of instruction in what to do. And it's like it's a book of two halves. And this book of two halves seems to be the first half is kind of like the theology of everything God has done and why, uh, why we should love Him. And the second half is all about how we should then respond to Him, what we should do in light of what, who God is and what He has done. And this book that Paul wrote, he wrote uh, when he was a prisoner, and he wrote it probably not just to the church in Ephesus, but to a whole bunch of churches in the Asia Minor region, which means modern-day Turkey. And the, probably what was meant to happen was the book was, meant to, was written and then taken as a letter to one church who then read it and then passed it on to the next one, and then they read it and then passed it on to the next one, and they read it. So a whole bunch of people got to read this. And these are the, the thoughts that Paul wanted to say to, to the church at that time. And it seemed like what was going on in the church is there were a few things they were dealing with. The wider church seemed to be dealing with how do they get on together, doing life together as people who are quite different. There was one group of people in the church who were Jews, the people who had been brought up in the Jewish faith and who had been learning uh, about Jesus since they were born, who, whose people had, had thousands of years being the chosen people of God. And then there's a, a, another group of people in the church called the Gentiles. And these are the people who have just been brought into God's plans and who have realized that they too can be saved because of the work of Jesus. And now these two separate groups who used to have nothing to do with each other now have to work together, doing life together in the church. The other thing we find in the book of Ephesians is that it deals a lot with you know, power and who is in control of the universe, who, uh, who rules And for the people who were in the church, a lot of people probably had been worshippers of other gods, and they would have seen uh, all these things happen as they worship uh, other gods or worship the Roman emperors, and they would have been trying to figure out, well, how do we now worship this one Lord Jesus Christ uh, when we've when we've been doing all this other stuff? And what is how does it all relate in this society which is totally against what we believe in? And so Paul is trying to to teach us uh, all these things. 
And so as we read this book, we want to read it and discover you know, who we are in Jesus and then how we should respond. If we spend the first six weeks looking at theology, then we're going to look at who God is and what he's done. And then if we spend the next six weeks looking at what we should do in response, we need to remember the first six weeks when we do the last six weeks. Because all the stuff that we do, all the obedience to God, has to come out of the fact of who God is and what he's done. Our behavior has to come from our identity. And so the book of Ephesians is all about giving Christians their identity in him. But we, let's, uh, before we do the whole book, let's just get into one bit of the book. Let's get into the first uh, 14 verses. And uh, you see in the first two verses, Paul is doing a, a greeting to the church, uh, inviting them to, to, to know who he is and what he's done and blessing them in Christ. But then he moves into verse 3. And if you look at verse 3 down to verse 14, uh, in your Bible there's a whole lot of punctuation and there's some different paragraphs there. But in the original Greek, if you looked at it in the Bible, it would be one long sentence. It's like Paul got so excited when he started writing that he just couldn't stop. He just exploded with praise for God. It's like if you meet a little kid who's gone and done something really exciting and they tell you what they've done, they do it all in one sentence. Have you ever heard that? It's like the kid's like, I went to the zoo today and it was amazing. We saw the dolphins. There were dolphins there. I really love the dolphins. We also saw the lions. The lions did a roaring. And then we went over and we looked at the seals and the seals were there. And I said to dad, could I have a seal please? He said, maybe. And then I said, can I have a penguin please? He said, maybe. He said, you can have one for the birthday. I was like, I hope I get one for my birthday. Dad's going to give me a seal for my birthday. And they're like, whoa. Because you get so excited that, that you, you say it all in one go. And Paul is so excited about Jesus here, so excited about what God has done for us in Jesus that he just blurts it all out and he forgets all about punctuation and he just goes for it. So he'd get terrible marks in English, but he gets amazing marks in Bible writing. So let's, let's have a look at what he says. In the very beginning, in verse 3, he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And there's a whole lot just there. I mean, we could probably spend four sermons on this passage that we're doing tonight uh, in one sermon, so we'll just try and get through it quickly. But just in, in this bit here, we see that Paul packs a lot in. He's telling us that God, the God of Jesus Christ, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And the question, I guess, the first question we ask is, well, one, you know, what are these uh, spiritual blessings? And two, what are the heavenly realms? And we're going to you know, get to the spiritual blessings. We're going to spend time tonight looking at what the spiritual blessings are and, and how God has given them to us and why God would give them to us. That's what we're going to look at tonight. But, but where are these spiritual blessings? Well, they're in the heavenly realms. And you might say, I know where they are. That is, that's heaven. It says it in the name. Heavenly realms, heaven. God has blessed us in heaven. Except that if you look in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, you can look it up if you want to check that I'm not lying, uh, what Paul says is that he talks about the heavenly realms as a place where evil spirits work, uh, where there are demonic powers at work. And as far as I know, there are no evil spirits and demonic powers hanging out in heaven with God. And what it seems to be that Paul is talking about here is when he talks about the, spiritual, the heavenly realms, he's talking about the spiritual world. The world that we can't see and that we can't hear, that we can't taste, we can't touch, uh, we can't smell it. It's not the world of our five senses, but it is a very real world and it's a world that is here, a world that affects us. It's like a parallel world and Paul is saying that in this world, in the spiritual dimension, God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
I don't know how many of you guys here are Harry Potter fans, uh, but there is uh, this moment in Harry Potter right at the beginning where Harry Potter, who is a a little boy uh, who is uh, 10 years old and he has a lightning scar on his head, uh, we meet him in the, in the book and in the films uh, as, a, as a boy who is having a tough life. Uh, he lives with this adoptive family because he's orphaned. It's his uh, aunt, aunt and uncle and cousin, and they don't like him very much. They treat him terribly. And he is forced to live under the stairs. And he, he has this really unpleasant life. Nobody likes him. He's not that impressive. It's really dull life for Harry Potter. Things aren't working out for him until on his 11th birthday, a giant... Uh, or half-giant, I should say, with magical powers, turns up uh, on a flying motorcycle and tells Harry that he's a wizard. He says, you're a wizard, Harry. That was my Hagrid impression. It wasn't very good. Uh, He tells Harry that he's a wizard and that, in fact, Harry is going to be invited off to Hogwarts where he gets to learn all about magic and wizardry. And then Harry Potter is taken to uh, this uh, to this whole world which is parallel to the, the universe that we live in, uh, and it's the wizarding world, and there he discovers that there's you know, magic that can be done and flying broomsticks and all these crazy characters and marvellous creatures, and there in this world, Harry Potter is not just any old boy, He's the boy who lived. He's the boy who defeated the, the most evil wizard of all time. And he's a celebrity. And more than just being a celebrity, Harry Potter finds out that he has all this gold in a bank, in the Wizarding Bank of Gringotts. He has all this gold. And suddenly he's gone from being this boy in one world who is despised and ignored and unimpressive to this boy in a parallel world where he is rich and he's a celebrity and amazing things can happen. And that's kind of like what's going on here. Not that Hagrid is going to turn up and tell us all we're going to Hogwarts, uh, but that God has given us something completely different from what we see here. That our physical world, the one that we experience, uh, is not the the whole story of what's going on. In the spiritual world, uh, where God lives and and where angels and demons exist, where, where God does most of his work, in that world it says that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. That we are spiritual billionaires. Every spiritual blessing that a person can have has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And so what this means is that if we experience life, what we experience in the here and now, what we see and taste and hear and touch and smell, all this stuff, it's not the whole story. And so as we live out our life, we can't respond to the world as if it is the whole story. We have to respond as if there is more going on. Because if this is all that's going on, if this is all there is, then that's not much motivation to love Jesus and to love others and to live the way God calls you to. But if it is true that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, then we can respond differently to how the rest of the world does. We can remember that we have more than everyone else. And so it means that if your life is terrible, if the worst things are going on, if you know, if you're, you've lost your job and, and the person you love has broken up with you and, and your iPhone screen has cracked and you have a hole in your favorite shoes uh, and you're like, this is the worst life ever, you can still remember that actually this is not all there is. You are still a billionaire in the spiritual world. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
And so you can still choose to honour God and still choose to love other people and still choose to interact with this world in a counterintuitive way because God has given you something more. This is not all there is. And the whole of Ephesians is going to be calling us to something greater than just the here and now, than just the world that we can see and hear and taste and touch and smell. This is inviting us to something great. And so we need to look, if we're looking at the, the, the what and the why, how and the why of God's gospel, then we need to look at what are these spiritual blessings. And Paul goes on to tell us what these are in the rest of the passage. If you look at verses 4 to 6, uh, it tells us the first of these spiritual blessings. It says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It's telling us here that God has chosen us, he has predestined us for adoption to sonship. These are four big spiritual blessings right there, and we're going to unpack them a little bit. The first being that God chose us before the creation of the world, and then he predestined us to be adopted and chosen and predestined, meaning that before the world was created, God knew who you were. And if you love Jesus, if you follow Jesus, these spiritual blessings are for you, and he chose you to follow him before you even existed. And some of you are like, I don't quite know how to get my head around that, so let me talk about McDonald's. Now, McDonald's has just brought in their Create Your Taste menu, which is really exciting because you get to make whatever kind of burger you want. In the old days at McDonald's, uh, like the very old days at McDonald's, they used to make burgers and then they'd put them on this uh, shelf and then they'd sit on the shelf until someone came and ordered that burger and then they'd take the burger off the shelf and then it would go to whoever had ordered it and then they would eat it and that would be that. So like a Big Macs, you know, they'd put it there and it'd sit there for like two minutes and someone would get it. If it was a fillet of fish, it'd sit there for like two weeks and then someone would get it. <laughs> and... And the burgers weren't for anyone in particular. The burgers were just there, they were made, and then whoever ordered them got them. And then Macca's changed things a bit, and they started doing it so that you order a burger, then they make the burger, and then it gets brought to you. But now, not only do you get to get the burger that, was, that is made for you, you get to choose your burger yourself. You get to choose the whole thing. And I love it. I get so excited. Before we go, before we get in the car to go to McDonald's, I start thinking, I'm like, what am I going to have? I'm going to have the lettuce leaf bun, and I'm going to have the, the, the Angus patty, and I'm going to have the, the pineapple, and I'm going to make sure I've got the onions, and I'm going to have the sauce. It's going to be great. And I start thinking about it, and then I get there, and there's the screens, and I start pressing the buttons and choosing what I want. And this burger, it doesn't exist yet, but I'm still choosing the burger, and then the, 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 the order gets sent to the, the kitchen, and the people in the kitchen go, oh, this is what they want, and so then they put my burger together, and then the burger gets brought out to me, and then here is the burger that has come into existence for me, it's brought to me, and this burger that I've chosen has been predestined for my face, and I eat it, and it's really exciting. And this is kind of like what God does with us. We aren't burgers, but he chooses us before the beginning of the world. And these burgers, they, you know, there was the first set of burgers who, you know, they were there for no one in particular. That's not what life is like for us. If we love and follow Jesus, God has chosen us before we even existed, before he knew who, before you knew who you were, before anything happened in the world, before time existed, God knew you. God chose you and God created you and then put you on the path towards him. 
so that you will always be someone who are going to choose him. You're always going to end up in his hands. You're always going to end up in his family. You were chosen, created, and predestined for him. And this is great news. And I know some of you are going, oh, but what about what? Just wait a tick. We'll get to that. Just right now, it means that God loves you so much, you are always safe. If you love and follow Jesus, you are always safe. You are always going to end up in his arms. And the great thing is that it means that God chose you before you could do anything to impress him. So God's not going to you know, say, oh, yeah, they're not really impressing me that well. They can move on. Because God choosing you wasn't really about you at all. It was about him and his love for you. Him being a kind and loving God, he chose you. He chose you before you had the chance to try and impress him and before you had the chance to stuff up and disappoint him. He chose you. And you are always going to be in his family. He was looking out for you the whole way. This is a reason to thank God for what he has done, to be pleased that God has been looking out for you since the beginning of time. And now some of you are saying, but uh, what about all those other people who don't get chosen? What about them? Isn't that a bit mean to them? And, and the first thing I would say to you is this passage is not about them. This, this is not a letter to say, oh, you have been blessed so much, so think about these things over here, which it's not about. It's not saying God didn't choose these people. He's saying God chose you. And it's not telling us what's going on with everyone else. And so we don't know who God has chosen, who God hasn't chosen, but he's telling us so that we can rejoice and be pleased that God has, has brought us into his family. So don't change the intention of the passage. Don't make a passage that is about praising God, about damning God, because he hasn't done for someone else what you think he should do for them. That's totally up to God to do. But the other thing is that if God has given you a gift, it's not up to you to get upset with him about all the other gifts that he hasn't given. If someone comes to you and gives you a present, you don't go, oh, you gave me a present? Well, why didn't you give them a present? You say, thank you. Thanks for giving me this gift. And you, you thank them for it. And you let them worry about what they're going to do with the rest of their gifts and who they're going to give gifts to and who they aren't going to give gifts to. I know I haven't solved the problem, but I at least just want to say, take this verse for what it is and let it move you to praise for God for what he has done to call you and choose you in, in his family. Uh, then the next thing that we see in this passage is that we are chosen and predestined for adoption to sonship. So, so there's one spiritual blessing that we are chosen and predestined. The next spiritual blessing is that we are adopted into sonship. And adoption is a big deal. Adoption means that we are brought into God's family. Uh, when you get on the train, I don't know what you're like, but when I get on the train, I, I, I look around, and if there aren't any seats free, like, you know, there's like those four-seaters which are facing each other, and there's like, you know, one person sitting in all the four-seaters, and you're like, oh, no, I'm going to have to sit with someone. You have to choose who you're going to sit with, and you look around. I don't know how you make the choice, but I look around looking for the most friendly-looking person. I'm like, all right, I'll sit with you, and I face you and rub knees with you for the next 40 minutes. I have to pick the nicest-looking person here. And so I, so I find them, and I sit down with them, and I, and I go on the train journey with them. And you've got to pick carefully who you're going to sit with for the next 40 minutes on the train. 
But if you have to choose friends, it's a bigger deal than just choosing who you sit with on the train. So if you're at the first day of school or the first day of a camp or the first day at uni or the first day of a new job or the first day in a, a new team, you're looking around like, who am I going to be friends with? You've got to pick caref- more carefully because these people you're going to interact with you know, maybe daily or weekly. You're going to interact with them regularly, maybe for, for a few days, for a few months, for a few years, for a long time. So you've got to pick your friends really carefully. And you know, I normally pick for the people who look friendly and the people who laugh at my jokes. That's what's most important to me as I pick friends. But then if you're picking people not just to be friends, but picking people to be in your family, that's an even bigger deal. Because when you pick someone to be in your family, then you have to pick someone who you are associated with for the rest of your life and the rest of their life. You are binding your identity up with them. And most people don't get to pick their kids, but people who do adopt kids, they get to pick their kids. And what this is saying to us is that God has chosen to adopt us into his family, that he has decided that he would be eternally bound up with us, that our identity will be caught up in his. That he hasn't, he's not just like, oh, you can be my train buddy for 40 minutes, or you can be my friend. He's like, you will be my family, that we will be together forever. I will love you like a father loves a child. I will always be there for you, always look out for you. God brings us into his family. He adopts us and loves us like a parent loves their child. This is a great spiritual blessing. And he adopts us to sonship. And some of you are like the feminists in the room are going, oh, sonship, what about daughtership? And uh, that's fair enough. You can, you can feel like that. But this is, this is not really a, a thing about you know, males and females. It's talking about what was going on in Paul's day. Now, I have uh, an older sister, and she, uh, she was born before me, because that's how older sisters work. And then, uh, then I was born, and there was me and my sister, and we were in the, fa- in the family together. And uh, if my parents uh, were to sh- move on from this world, and then we were, would stand to adopt, adopt, uh, inherit uh, half of uh, my parents' wealth each, half and half. But then when I was 12 years old, uh, my parents decided to adopt a child. And so then uh, this new baby joined our family and this baby came in and no longer would my sister and I be getting half and half each. This baby came in and took a third of our inheritance each. This baby who had done nothing for it came along like, I'll have that and I'll have that. And, and if my parents weren't billionaires like they are, I would be very upset about that. I'd be like, why are you taking all my money? But as it is, I stand to inherit a whole lot of stuff and it'll be fine. Submarines, helicopters, going to be fantastic. That's not entirely true. You should only speak the truth from the pulpit. Anyway, what, uh, what, what happens is that when there is inheritance, when you, get, uh, when you adopt someone into your family, they share in the inheritance. Now, in Paul's day, uh, when there is inheritance at stake, uh, it wasn't equal in the way it was divided among uh, families. There was a social custom to it. And generally what would happen is the oldest son would get most of the inheritance. And then the next sons would get lesser inheritances. They would get it. And then the daughters wouldn't get much at all if they got any. And so what Paul is saying here is that when you are adopted into sonship, he's not saying, oh, you know, girls aren't that important. He's saying you are adopted to the favored status of child. You move up in the world. You move up to God's, to being one of God's children like a son. In fact, in Romans, Paul tells us that we become co-heirs with Christ. That is a big deal. And so he's saying, whether you are a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, when you come into God's family, everyone gets brought up into favored child status. 
And so this isn't a, an anti-women statement. This is a pro-women statement. It's saying your value is the same as everyone else's. That to, we are all brought together into God's family to be adopted into sonship. This is a great spiritual blessing. And it's not as if God is going to, to die at one point and then we inherit the universe. But what it is saying is that we get God's blessings. We are part of his family and our identity is part of his and we begin to reflect his family character. We are always with God because we are adopted to sonship as favoured children of his. Let's keep moving because we've got more spiritual blessings to discover. Uh, if you uh, look at verses uh, 14... Uh, no, yes. No, 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 let's go back. Sorry, I missed a bit off my notes. But anyway, I will find it here. It says this, uh, in verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So here are, here are more spiritual blessings, that we are given our redemption, that we are given forgiveness because of the blood of Jesus. Now, this redemption idea is an idea of being brought out of slavery, that we are people who are slaves. The Bible says slaves to sin and death. But God, through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, has saved us and brought us into his family, redeemed us from slavery so we can become children, that we are forgiven for everything that we are done wrong, we have done wrong. This is a great spiritual blessing. But there are more spiritual blessings. Now you can look at verses 11 and 14. Uh, look at this. It says, In him you, we were also chosen, having predestined, being predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And what Paul is saying there is that there are some people who believed at first. There were the, the Jews who first received the gospel and they were brought into God's family. But then now there are the Gentiles, those who aren't Jewish, and they also have chosen to believe God's gospel and they are brought into the family. Everyone is now in the family and everyone is given uh, this blessing of the Holy Spirit. This is God's great blessing to us. And it tells us that the Holy Spirit is a seal and a deposit. And so we have to think, well, what, what, is, what is that all about? Well, when I first moved out of home, I needed some new furniture, so I bought a bunch of IKEA stuff. And we all know that IKEA is not that great. But I bought it, and I built it in my room, and then I kind of pulled it apart in my room. Not intentionally, I just, it just kind of, you know, fell apart by doing things like, you know, opening drawers and opening cupboards and lying on beds, and then it all just went... Bleh. And so a lot of it didn't survive, survive my moves, and if it survived the first move, it didn't really survive the second move until, you know, three moves later, I pretty much had no IKEA furniture left, and I was like, I need some new furniture, I need good furniture. So I went to a, a good furniture store, one where they, they build the furniture for you, and it's all put together, and it's sturdy, and I went to this store, it was a local store, it wasn't a chain, and there was all this furniture around on this, the floor, and I could look at all the stock, and then I, as I walked through, there was all this different stuff, and it was really exciting. 
exciting to see. I was looking for a chest of drawers for myself, but I'd see things I wanted, like there was a bunk bed. So I ran over and like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I had a bunk bed? But then I looked at the bunk bed, and on the bunk bed, there was a little green sticker saying, deposit taken. And then I was like, oh, okay. So I kept going. And then there was like this giant statue of Elvis. And I was like, wow, Elvis. So I ran over and looked at Elvis. I was like, that'd be cool to have that. But then there was like a little sticker on it. Saying, saying the deposit was taken. And then I kept looking from you know, place to place, and I, looked at, I found some drawers. I like, I love these drawers. But then there was a little sticker on it, green sticker saying, deposit taken. And uh, eventually I found uh, some drawers that I wanted. I, I bought them, and, and now they uh, still live in my house, and they work, which is great. Uh, but what was going on there is that every time I wanted to buy something, when I looked at it, I had this little green sticker on it saying the deposit was taken. There was this green seal on it saying, this is not yours. You cannot have this. You can't take this. You can't buy this. It's not yours. Someone has paid money for this, and they're coming back to get it. When you have a seal uh, in the Bible, uh, it's the, the seal is uh, like a, a stamp of ownership. People put a seal on cattle saying, this thing is owned. And, and when we have a deposit, it means you're paying a bit of money and then you're going to come back and pay off the rest. And what the Bible is saying is that when you trust in Jesus, God gives you his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in you as a seal and a deposit saying you are owned by God. And God is coming back to get you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's not going to die on the cross and save you with his life and give you his Holy Spirit and then leave you here. We have been saved by God and we know that God is bringing us into his kingdom, that God is going to redeem this world one day and he's coming back to get us because we have the Holy Spirit, a seal and a deposit, saying we are owned by God and he is coming back to get us. This is a great spiritual blessing. We have not been forgotten. So this is the what. The what of, of the gospel is what is it we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. But the next question is, well, how? How do we get these spiritual blessings, uh, have a look in verses 8 to 10, and it tells us. It says this, uh, that with all wisdom and understanding, he, lav- he, sorry, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good purpose, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring everything to unity, all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And uh, what, what, what Paul is saying there is that he's saying, What God has done, the way God has brought us into his family, the way he has done it, it's a mystery. It's a great mystery. And if you see, he's used that word mystery, and often when we think of mysteries, uh, I don't know what you think, I think of like murder mysteries and stuff. I think of like Sherlock Holmes, that kind of thing. And when the Sherlock thing started happening a few years ago, there was... um, there was the Sherlock Holmes movie which came out, which you watched if you were just mainstream. And then there was the BBC Sherlock TV show, which you watched if you were a little bit more hipster. And then there was the people who read the books. And I was like, I'm going to read a book. That would be awesome. I'm going to be so hipster. I'm going to out-hipster the hipsters and read a book, except I read it on my iPhone, which is not as cool as an actual book. But I read it. And I started reading these stories about Sherlock Holmes. And it was really exciting reading about Sherlock Holmes because what happens is there's always this mystery that's presented to Sherlock. It's like, you know, what, who stole the money? Or, or who killed this person? Or, or how did this person disappear? 
And, uh, and Sherlock has to figure it out with his intellect. And he, and he looks at all the situation, and he talks to people, and then eventually he figures it out. And he'll be like, I know who stole the money. And like, who, Sherlock? He's like, it was that man. Like, how can you tell? He's like, I can tell because of the, the little bit of dirt on, his, on the scuff of his pants. Like, I know because of that dirt that he is actually not a man, but he's actually a man dressed as a woman, dressed as a dog, dressed as a man. That's who it is. And they stole the money. And you're like, wow, Sherlock, you're so smart. You figured it out. That's how we think of mysteries. That Mysteries can be figured out if you just think about them a lot. If you just kind of look into things, you'll sort out the mystery. And we maybe can figure out the mystery of how God has decided to redeem the world. But here it tells us that it's a different kind of mystery. This is not a mystery that we can figure out for ourselves. It's a mystery that needs to be revealed to us. So let me tell you of another mystery. In 1977, the film Star Wars came out. And when people watched Star Wars, they discovered that Star Wars was the fourth episode in a nine-film saga. And if you wanted to know the whole story of Star Wars in 1977, you couldn't figure it out. There is no way you could know it. The only way you could know is if George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, decided to, to give it to you. And so then, later on, he released The Empire Strikes Back, and then a little more of the mystery was revealed. And then later on, he released Return of the Jedi, and then a little more was revealed. And then later on, he released some abominations, and some more of the mystery was revealed. And then now, we find out that the next three are going to be released in the last few, these next few years. And uh, then we will have the whole mystery revealed. But the only way the mystery is revealed is not through people figuring it out and you know, using their intellect or looking at the science. It's only because George Lucas and the people who bought Star Wars off him have decided to reveal it to us. It's not about us. It's because they have chosen to reveal it. And the mystery of God's salvation, the mystery that God has decided to save us, we see only because God chooses to reveal it. God has chosen to reveal his mystery to us, this mystery of how is it that, you know, that Jew and Gentile can be brought together? How is it that peace can come to this broken earth? How is it that the relationship between man and God can be fixed? How can this happen? And then we see the answer to that mystery. God has revealed it in his son, Jesus Christ. The answer to this, this mystery is that it is in him. It is in Christ. If you have a look at this passage again and just kind of scan through, you'll see that you know, in Christ and in him keeps coming up again and again and again. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. In him, we were chosen. His glorious grace is freely given to us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Uh, this is all purpose to us uh, in Christ. Uh, and all of us who put our hope of, for life in Christ are then marked and sealed in Christ with his Holy Spirit. It's in Christ. How do we get these spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing, we get it in Christ. And what that means is you can't get it anywhere else. There is nowhere else for you to be spiritually blessed except for in Christ. You can't you know, join some other religion or look for some other holy book or, or spend time with certain people or, or, or get the right career or travel to the right place or, or, or have the right family. You will not find your spiritual blessings there. The only place that you find spiritual blessing is in Christ. The only way you can have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is in Christ. And so we look nowhere else. We only look to Christ. It is only through the work that Christ has done and when he came and lived and died and rose again for us that we can have everything that God has on offer for us. So we now know, we now know the what 
The what is that we have every spiritual blessing. That is the what of the gospel. The, the, the how of the gospel is we get it in Christ. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. The last question is, what is the why? Why would God do this for us? And before I tell you why and then wrap it all up, I just quickly want to tell you the gospel. But I'm going to tell you a gospel that sometimes you will have heard, but it's not really the correct gospel. See, sometimes people say, well, what's the good news of Jesus Christ? And people say, well, it's like this. God decided that he wanted to create the world. God was lonely, and God needed friends. And God decided that he wanted to be friends with humans, so he created the world, and the world was good. He created a good world, and on it he created good humans. But then humans rebelled against God, and God was upset and sad at what had happened. He was saying, what's going on? These people have rebelled against me. What should I do? And he didn't know what to do. And then his son, Jesus Christ, came along and said, God, I have a plan. What is it, Jesus, God said. Jesus said, I will go down and I will die for them. And God said, really? You'll do that? Because yes, I will pay the price needed for them to be saved by you. And so Jesus went down. He died on the cross for humans. And so these humans that God loved very much, who were very precious to him, became part of his family because Jesus died for them on the cross. And now God could have his favorite people back in his family. The end. And that's, you know, some of that is is true from the gospel, but some of it is completely not true. It tells us the, the actual reason that God did things is not because he was feeling bad, And it's not as if God got surprised by what was going on on earth. When we look in the passage there, it tells us that God chose us in Christ before the beginning of the world. Before anything existed, God knew what was going to happen on this earth. God knew that we were going to rebel against him. God knew he was going to have to send his son Jesus. Before anything happened, he set it all up. The whole thing was planned from the very beginning. God knew exactly what would happen because God did it not because it's not about us. It's all about him. Have a look at the passage. It shows us that it's all about God. It's all for his praise and glory. In verse 3, it says, praise be to God. In verse 6, it says, he saves us to the praise of his glorious grace. In verse 12, it says, the people are saved that they might be for the praise of God's glory. And in verse 14, it says, we are redeemed as God's possession to the praise of his glory. It's all about God. And God created the world for him. And God created us for him. And God chose to choose us for him. God chose to save us for him. And God knew that we would die. Sorry, that we would sin. And that he would need to send his son Jesus to die. And he did it for his glory. Because in and of himself, before the world existed, God was whole. God was perfect. God was sufficient. He didn't need us. But what he didn't have that he has now in us is he didn't have a way to show grace. Because within the Trinity, they got on perfectly. But with us, he has people who would sin. Us, we have people who would break his law. Us, who are people who would even kill our God. And with us, he has a chance to show grace. And he shows us this grace that we do not deserve and brings us into his family for his glory. So that we would see how good he is. That we would see his love so that the whole entire universe would shout with praise for joy at the goodness of God and the love of God expressed in his son, Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It is all about him. We are given every spiritual blessing in Christ for his glory. That is what the gospel is about. 
And so as we get on with our lives, we do our lives remembering this, that all this is not about us, it is about him. It's all about his glory, worshipping him. So what does this what does it mean practically? Well, if you are someone who is not a Christian, and what this means for you is that right now you are missing out on every spiritual blessing. But you can have it. It's available to you if you choose Christ. And you might say, hold on, isn't it that I'm chosen and I'm predestined? I don't feel predestined. What's going on? And the great thing is the Bible also tells us that we get to choose. And so you can choose Christ. But if you choose not to choose him, then my question to you is, how else can you find spiritual blessing? Where else will you find the solution to your brokenness? Where else will you find a way to bring peace to this world? Where else will you find, uh, find someone who will love you for the very core of who you are? Where else will you find someone as beautiful and as magnificent as God? You will not find it anywhere else. You will only find it in Him. Put your trust in Him and, and see that He offers you every spiritual blessing in Christ for His glory Trust him. And if you are a Christian, then what this means for you is now as you go into life, you know what this is all about. You know what you've been given. You know that it's in Christ. And so look only to him for blessing and live your life for the glory of God. When you choose to do the right thing, choose it for the glory of God. When you choose you know, how you're going to spend your time tomorrow, choose because of what will make God look good. When you choose you know, who you're going to be friends with and who you're going to sit with on the train and, and what, what things you're going to do at school and what things you're going to do at uni and what careers you're going to have and who you're going to marry, everything you do, do it all for God because this whole world is about Him and everything you've been given is because of Him, in Him and for Him. So give everything back to Him. And I promise you that as you do that, you'll find that that is what your whole life is about. And instead of living for yourself, you live for Him and you'll see that you were made to live for him anyway. And so you're living the way you were meant, and you will find that you are in the groove. This is what life is about. Do it for him. Let's celebrate this great news that God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ for his glory. Let's live for him. I will pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in him we have everything. Thank you that you have made us uh, spiritually rich, and that even if the worst things are happening to us, even if we're in the darkest times, we have a different reality. I pray for anyone here who hasn't put their trust in you, Jesus, that you will call them to yourself, that they will see your beauty, they will see your love and your grace, and they will put their trust in you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, you will uh, challenge all of us to live for you, to be all about you, to be people who are so excited about you that we talk and talk without stopping, that we forget about full stops because you are so great. We pray that we will uh, worship you not just in what we say but in what we do, that our lives will be a reflection of your glory because all of this is about you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you love Jesus just that little bit more. If you want to get your hands on the Ephesians devotions, then head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. There you can also find my other books, videos, and plenty of other stuff. 
So feel free to check it out and don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.